You're listening to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast with Mark Allred, Court Lalonde, and Rob Tomlin. You can subscribe and rate our show on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Player.fm, SoundCloud.com, and Stitcher Radio. You can support the show financially by going to blackandgoldhockey.com and clicking on the fanatics.com banner before shopping online. You can also purchase exclusive Black and Gold Hockey podcast merchandise in the official B&G shop. And now, time to start the Bruins Hockey Talk from three different countries. Enjoy the show. Everyone's fans, welcome back for episode 110 of the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. We are recording on Sunday, December 16th, 2018. Um, we are minus one today, but we do have coverage. Uh, we have Drew Johnson joining us. Uh, he writes for the blackandgoldhockey.com website and does a fantastic job covering everything NCAA Bruins. So uh, welcome to the show, Drew, and uh, uh, welcome back, Court. How are we doing? Fine. Good. We're, uh, you know, is what it is from the last game, but we move on. We got a game tonight. Yeah, the, uh, I mean, n- not a bad little run with uh, a three-game hey, winning streak. Hey, the Leafs lost. That's all that matters. Yeah, yeah three-game winning Can streak. You... <laughs> three-game losing streak. Big with a capital loser. Yes, so that, that, that definitely helps uh, the Bruins as they currently sit in the second wildcard position. Uh, with 38 points right behind Montreal with 39 and trailing Buffalo by five. So, um, let's just get right into it. Last week, uh, the Bruins beat the Ottawa Senators on Sunday, December 9th, uh, two to one in overtime. They were then played at home, uh, on Tuesday, December 11th against Arizona a game I was supposed to be at, but we'll forget that. And uh, <laughs> obviously, um, they, the, the last Friday night's game was just a, a, a bad loss, but it is what it is. You just you take it, you know, wipe your shoulders off and get ready for the next, game, the next two games because it's not going to be very easy. And uh, especially, uh, we'll just do the week right now. The, uh, they have Buffalo today at 5 p.m. They have Montreal immediately tomorrow at 7.30 in Montreal. And then uh, home against Anaheim on Thursday and uh, home against the Nashville Predators on Saturday. So it's not going to be easy. So um, overall thoughts of last week, Court? Um, I thought they played well. Like Like the last game to me was the weirdest one of them all of the week. Um, Like, you know, I I appreciated the comeback win the other against Arizona. Mind you, um, I don't know. They they look flat. They look like what they looked last year, where 
you know, they forget that the first period's even being played and then they wake up again. Um, which is not good to see. Um, for the first game ever, last game, I thought the defense looked terrible. Minus Brandon Carlo. I'll keep saying it all year. He's their best defenseman this year. Far none. I don't know. There's no other way to look at it. But um, Pittsburgh's goalie played really well. And our goalie didn't. And what happened? I don't know. That's the way I look at last game. Pittsburgh's goalie outplayed ours. Yeah, the uh, the I believe is a Rochester, New Hampshire native. Uh, the kid, Casey the kid, yeah, he's killing it. But you know, I look at this like you know, uh, Tuca got his back-to-back starts. He played well. He's looked good. Halak's played well all season. He hasn't played the greatest in the last four games, but that that really is not um, something I'd be concerned about. Um, I do think we have two of the best goalie tandems, one of the best goalie tandems in the league. Not the best, but one of the best. Um, just gotta. We need to win this game. I'll say it before. I'll say it again. Uh, you can lose to Pittsburgh all you want. You can't lose to Buffalo today. You beat the Leafs. You got to beat the teams in your division. Considering how tough the Atlantic is. Drew, your thoughts on the games last week? Uh, yeah, I think that one against Pittsburgh was definitely really tough. Uh, not a great way to lose. I think uh, you know, giving up that shorthanded goal in the second period was really rough. You just you can't do that if you expect to win. Um, I was really impressed, though, uh, all week by David Krejci. He's on a five-game point streak right now. Um, and I believe in those last three games this week, uh, it, was, it was one goal and four assists. Four assists, And I think he's been you know, good throughout the season. But now that he's playing alongside Pasternak and Marshawn, you're seeing some of that execution come through. Uh, I think he was doing a good job on the second line as supporting DeBrusque and you know, whoever his winger wound up being that night, whether it was Heinen or Nordstrom or whoever, um, you know, he was creating scoring chances, but you're finally seeing the results now that he's with uh, two high-tier wingers. Uh, I was really impressed with him. Uh, but, yeah, it's that, almost that like loss he's to good. Pittsburgh was great. Huh? It's almost like he's good. You're yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> I know. And everybody my, keeps dumping on him. My only problem with him has been that you, you really want him to be the player that uh, – you know, is making those players around him better, which he is to an extent, but uh, you kind of, he really needs like a a very, very high quality winger in order to see any production out of him. And, uh, you know, that's the only drawback about him, I think. Uh, Otherwise, obviously he's highly skilled. He's definitely the best playmaker on the Bruins. And uh, he's been impressive all season, as I said, but you're finally seeing that execution and no coincidence because he's playing on that first line right now. I think he needs speed. I, I know we're going to – we might as well just talk about Krejci because I, I know it's one of the topics. Yeah, that's, that's the I, first I look one. At, I look at it. Everybody's saying, you know, we won't even mention the, the stupid rumor. Um, people think that he needs that big body. I really think speed is what works because <laughs> if you look what's helping him, Pasternak and, and Marchand are carrying the puck past center for him. He's great at getting it past the blue line and getting it into the zone and keeping the puck and uh, having great control and – great on the sidewalls, great in the corners. He's doing great controlling the plays. He just always seems to have a problem getting that breakout into the into the uh, the offensive zone. So it just, I don't know. I, I'm noticing Marshan and, and Pastor are the ones getting the puck in, and then he's able to command the play once the puck gets in the zone. Yeah, when he, when he uh, I believe that his strongest part of his game court is, um, is th- that pass that you just talked about. He gets the puck 
transitions it over the blue line, passes it ahead to the faster players, but is so effective on the trail behind um, for a, either a one time or or uh, to, get, to crash the net, you know, on, on either side of the wing uh, to feed it out front because it, more or less he's a pass first type of player. But um, it just as Pasta said, first, second, and third. Yeah, and and um, and lately, it, it, I mean, th- three of his five goals in the year have come when he's been on that line uh, with with Marshan and Krejci. If I'm, I mean, uh, Pasternak, if I'm not mistaken. So I mean, there's there's really good things to see. There's a sample size that people really need to see when 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 you have that topic about dropping him down to the second line when when Bergeron returns. I mean. It could go either way. He's going to find creativity with a lot of different players. So, Yeah, I just don't think he has the speed he used to. When he played with Horton and, and Lucic, oh, exactly. and correct me wrong, I know I know Drew was pretty much, you, you go to every game. So um, Krejci was the guy with the speed on that line. And they did everything else. With it. Krejci was the one with the speed. He doesn't have it anymore. It's not there. He's, he's, he's 80% of the speed he used to have. I think speed... Um, I know people have talked about it before, and I'm, I don't know if Drew even wrote an article about it because I know he's written so many. Um, <laughs> Svedberg out in Anaheim um, as a guy with speed. This big guy that everybody thinks that we should throw on the wing with him, I don't think that's good anymore. I don't think that's there. Like Rick Nash was was great with him, but not that great. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, no, I don't think the size is what he needs, uh, especially with the game you know, trending towards those faster players now. Um, and I, th- I think the real issue for him this season was playing alongside two guys who are having sophomore slumps and DeBrusque and Hine, and obviously they can come out of that shell at some point. But, uh, you know, they're both really, really struggling, especially early in the season. And, you know, if you put anybody between those two guys, I don't really know how that's going to work out for them. Uh, and so I think it's definitely being alongside two guys who are, have been executing all season in Marshawn and Pasternak. Uh, just having that really proven score on his line is really what Krejci needs, um, not necessarily that size to create space for him. Because he can create it. He can do things in tight spaces. You, like you guys mentioned, him breaking across the blue line and making a play. Uh, he doesn't need space created by someone like in the past, Lucic or Horton. Uh, he needs someone that he can pass to who is going to pick the corner and score. Uh, obviously, DeBrusque uh, wasn't that when he was healthy playing alongside Krejci, and obviously Heinen wasn't that. Um, maybe someday they can be. Uh, but I think Pasta is that guy. I yeah, know oh, for you sure. Don't put up that line and people call us idiots for thinking it, but I don't agree with friend of the show, Mac Hellman. I don't want Krejci as the number one center. But maybe, just maybe, Bergeron, Marchand, and try someone else with them and have Pasta with Krejci. Yeah. And don't just do it for a couple shifts like uh, Butch has done. Yeah, you do know? it for games. Um, no, do it for games, yeah. do it for practices, get the or chemistry Butch, Butch there. Butch might get full in his stocking this year from me. <laughs> um, yeah, I, and, and, and just to just to mention line mates on Krejci's line lately is Jake Dubrovsky in, 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 in his um, offensive uh, drought in the last five games, he's got absolutely no points. Uh, I wonder he hasn't if... played. Huh? Brusque hasn't played. Oh, I'm an ass. Well, do you That's mean De- in DeBrusque's last five games, though? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. all right. I'm sorry. When I took notes, right. I didn't... I, I, I thought he was... But, hey, but, but you're right. That's... That's during the time when he was playing with Krejci because, what, they were throwing for his back at Carlson and Cave. Yeah, right, and they the were first... throwing everybody out there. They were throwing the kitchen sink. But I think 
even for DeBrusque, to have David Pasternak on his line. Because Marchand and Bergeron can create offense, just the two of them. We oh, look what they, yeah, and, I, and, I, and look what they did with Sidney Crosby. Sidney Crosby said it was the best two wingers he's, he's played with. Those guys just create offense. They, they'll, they'll get the points. I think, even for DeBrusque's career, to have passed on that line, the confidence it builds, to see what it's like to, to be that two-way guy. Pasta is the two-way guy. I just, the amount, oh, just, wow, I just need to see it. Right. It's just that words can't even describe what I would love to see of that line. Yeah, I think that was big talk, uh, you know, over the offseason. I think a lot of people are saying, hey, why don't you play Pasternak with Krejci and, like, send one of the young guys up to play on the first line. I'd really like to see what some of those young guys can do alongside Bergeron and Marshawn. Uh, even if you throw them up there for a couple games just to see how it goes, like a Donato or I know Bjork's in the AHL, but I was thinking before the season maybe giving him a few games up there with that top line. Uh, you know, I would just like to see if something can click because those young guys are really strong offensive players. They they do need to work on their two way games, uh, especially Bjork and Donato. Uh, but I think you know they have the offensive skills that if you pair them with a guy like Marshawn and a guy like Bergeron, they're going to see some production, um, and that's going to play towards their strengths. So I definitely would like to see them uh, you know keep Krejci and Pasternak together. Um, and like you guys were saying, for a few games, not for a few shifts. Yeah, like I know Heinen. They tried it. Was it was last year when they tried Heinen. Yeah, I think I think Heinen's problem is he's too two way to play with those guys. Hmm. They need Bergeron and Marchand can do everything else for you. They don't need another guy to to do everything else that they do. They need another guy to go to the net, get some shots on net, create some offense. Like Pasta can back check, which they appreciate, but Pasta also has disgusting hands. And can shoot the puck. Heinen doesn't have that. Yeah, Heinen's a third liner. That's just that's yeah, his role. That line segue right there. That oh, line my played fantastic. I can't believe I'm saying it. They're playing well. Um, what about um, segueing into uh, some some trade rumors? Um, oh boy. Yeah, it, it's it's kind of weird. We're getting to that crunch time when everything uh, starts to be thrown at the fan and see if it's still. Uh, sticks, but um, I, I just want to address this one because I mean, I just shake my head moment every time I see these websites and they publish something, and and you know Don Sweeney was in Edmonton, he took in the game, whether he was there to scout a player or he was in the area that I heard from, I, I believe you drew that there was a big junior tournament out there, uh, you know mm-hmm. some, some, some he GM, was spotted at he was spotted at the Edmonton Oil Kings game. So yeah, some GMs yeah. do go out there and do some actual scouting, and and Don Sweeney being the general manager and having a, a player development background, um, you know it, it does happen, folks. You know, and this particular website, I'm not even going to give them the name because I don't want anybody to click on this and go see for itself. Even though I shared it on Facebook, which was dumb, but. Um, you know, it, it automatically came to he's there for Lucic. He's there to make a trade to bring Lucic yeah, back yeah. home. And it's like, and, and, and the name of the is NHL Insider. And it's like, okay, you, you're, you're seriously an, an insider. You write an article that's 250 words long and just saying that he's in the house and he must be doing this. Yeah, I just, I, I, I'm just going to drop some knowledge. Um, Lucic would have to be protected in the expansion draft. Lucic 
makes a terrible deal for a guy that wouldn't even be able to play on the top three lines on this hockey club. He has got – we have players that are not even playing that have more points than him. It, it, there's just no way in the right mind. And a lot of people are like, oh, you swap one for one for Bacchus. Bacchus only has two years on his deal. Yeah. We don't have to worry about Luch Bacchus. has four. Yeah, Luch has four. Are you kidding me? The amount – people remember him for what he was. Just leave it at that. But but before, Drew, you tap in on this one, I just want to mm-hmm. say that the reason why I kind of went overboard on this is because I just wish the folks out there would just do a little research and just take 10 minutes to find out if, if people like Bob McKenzie, uh, Darren Dreger, Elliot Friedman, uh, Chris Johnston, I mean, these, these guys really work hard at their jobs to get that information. If they're not talking about it, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't go on just somebody's word that they saw him at at a, at a hockey game. It just do the research, people, and and then you know adjust your uh, opinion from there. Because when you just see that he's in the house, it automatically, oh my god, he's coming back! I'm so excited. It's like, come on, slow the hell down. There's so <laughs> many different angles that you have to look at before a move has to happen like this. And on a declining player on a terrible contract, like Court said, you just don't make that move. It's just, it's just dumb in my opinion. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, it, it's it's kind of worth mentioning. Oh yeah, he was there, and you can kind of take that as oh maybe he's looking at somebody. But I don't see how that turns in immediately. Oh, they're getting Lucic. That's who he's looking at. Like I don't see why that conclusion would be drawn. Um, and definitely, I don't think they should take. Take Lucic, that would just, <laughs> that would be horrible <laughs> uh, to just say it quickly. Um, and I also, you know, it's worth mentioning too, uh, he has a relationship with Shirelli, having both worked at the organization at the same time. Um, so I, reading too much into that and especially reading, oh, they're going after Lucic is just, it's too much. I don't really, I don't know how that spiraled out of control so quickly. Um in in adding somebody, uh, I would look towards the rumors. Obviously, there's been a lot out there. We all re- we all know the Panarin rumors. We all uh, I think recently with St. Louis basically being in cell mode, uh, Tarasenko's name has been thrown out there, and I just think all of that isn't too realistic. Uh, the the two names that have been tossed out there that I think are realistic are Kevin Hayes and Charlie Coyle, because uh, these guys can slot into the lineup uh, on those middle two lines potentially both. Both come up with uh, over 30 points per season consistently, uh, sometimes more in the 40, high 40 ranges. Uh, those are the kind of guys I think the Bruins need right now just because of like looking at their depth right now. Uh, you know, secondary scoring has been a huge issue for them, uh, specifically looking at Bacchus, Corrali, Achari, uh, Wagner. Uh, I mean, those guys aren't expected to be your top point producers, obviously, but uh you know, you, you, they need something uh, on those on those bottom lines. Uh, we we just discussed the the third line is starting to click with Donato, uh, Forsback, and Carlson and Heinen, which is good to see. But I still think uh, if you're going to make a move, you need to add more to that secondary scoring. You know, it would be great to have a player like Panarin. It'd be amazing to have a player like Tarasenko. But given the price, I don't see a deal like that getting done. I uh, definitely need to involve either DeBrusque or McAvoy or both in one of those deals, and I can't pull the trigger on that. Uh, I think definitely adding a guy like Hayes or Coyle uh, is more realistic. And given the reality of the situation, Panarin, we, we've talked about it before, Drew, Panarin is not coming to the Boston Bruins. He's made it clear 
he's going to, if he goes anywhere this year, it's the Chicago Blackhawks. So he's the one who's making these, he's the one making all the decisions there. Um, with regards to Coyle, I'm a hard pass on him. Um, okay. I think it has a lot to do with um, home bias. A lot of people like this guy. I just, I don't like his numbers. I, I, I looked at some of his advanced. I'm just not a fan of this guy. Uh, Hayes, I love, but I really have a strong inkling that I couldn't see him, regard unless you put a dump truck of money in front of him, that he would want anything to do with this organization. And it has a, I don't, I'm not saying the organization did anything to his brother, but the fan base, what they did to his family, I just, I don't know. Mm. I just can't see it. Like, I, I think the Bruins should get him. I 100% agree, Drew. I think he'd be perfect on that second line. I'm, I have a hard time thinking that he would be like, where do I sign up? Considering his, his best buddy, Jimmy Vesey, did not, or a VC or whatever you want to say it, or not a Bruins, <laughs> I don't care. Um, he didn't want to come here. And I, I believe the rumor that Jimmy, Jimmy Hayes was like, don't come here. And he didn't come here. So Kevin Hayes coming here, that's a tough one. I know the player doesn't decide yeah. it, but I think it has, it's a lot like that Jeff Carter situation. The players have more pull than they used to in the past. And if they get traded somewhere they don't want to go, they're not going to play too well. Yeah, and I, I, I'm on board with the whole hometown thing. I just want to stay away from it. I just, I, I me personally, and I, I probably haven't done enough research, but I'm sure somebody will tell me on, on the internet that I'm, I'm totally wrong. But I, I just haven't seen any Boston-born players that have come back here do anything really special. I, mm-hmm. I just haven't seen it. So, but uh, moving forward on, on, on the trade rumor talk is, is another player, and that's Jeff Carter because. That seems mm. to be stirring a lot of uh, of news lately, with uh, him being a center and, and you know providing that third line um, role. So, but uh, Court tweeted this out earlier, and I grabbed some audio courtesy of Sportsnet, and this is Elliot Friedman and, and what he said about the whole situation and Carter's family moving forward with with all these trade talks. And just finally on Jeff Carter, in 2011, you'll remember he was traded to Columbus and it didn't go well. He was unhappy. It didn't work. I think teams who are interested in him with the Kings, Ron, have been told if you want to acquire Jeff Carter, you're going to have to work with him to make sure he's happy with the situation. I don't think his family wants to leave California. So anyone who's interested is going to have to work with him and make sure he's happy with the fit to make sure it's going to work. So after hearing that about Jeff Carter from Elliott Friedman and Sportsnet, um, I, I I don't see him coming all the way to Boston. That's that's the right fit for him and his family, and kind of believe that. I don't know. I think his agent might have leaked something out to get things moving. Possibly was that the, he's possibly going to retire if if he is moved from the Kings. So I I don't know. What do you guys think about all that? I'm thinking it's the team that wants to move him, and it's the player that doesn't want to go anywhere. Mm-hmm. I, I really do. Um, that the team's going nowhere. LA, LA, and St. Louis are perfect prime examples of teams that you look at and go. And Anaheim, if you need a player, there is a trade that makes sense. I put out a tweet earlier this week. Uh, find a player that does, has no no inkling of coming to Boston, and uh, and a player that there's no way going the other way, like the whole toy crew for Ryan Nugent Hopkins thing. And there you got a Bruins trade rumor. Um, there was rumors about Boston for Jeff Carter. But I, after hearing what Elliot Freeman said, I just don't see it. And as Drew was alluded to earlier, that third line, they're playing well. I, I, I wouldn't see messing that up. Maybe wait till February to address that third line. 
I think, as Drew said before, the prime thing they need is secondary scoring on that second line. They need someone to play with Krejci. Yeah, I think think, uh, Carter is definitely more of a trade deadline acquisition where you're making the playoff push and want to add a veteran. Uh, Completely a rental, uh, especially uh, after referencing that he might retire if he is moved at the end of the season. Um, Yeah, I definitely think Carter is one of those more, uh, you know, just bolster the depth. Uh, at the trade deadline acquisitions. I think they definitely, Court, I agree, they need to add something to Krejci's line. Uh, you know, maybe that's not Hazer or uh, Coyle because you want more speed there, more uh, more uh, scoring capabilities there, um, which is why, you know, the, the name Panarin was so attractive. But obviously there's all that baggage with him and free agency potentially and really only wanting to go to Chicago. Uh, I think if you're the Bruins, you just got to wait and see how it plays out. Uh, you know, the, right now all these names are being tossed out there. What if there there are more names available soon? Uh, you'll definitely Yo, see more available. But yeah, <laughs> that's another one. Oh, I would love them. Um, I would love them. Just the problem is these deals for those kind of guys. They're expensive. Uh, a lot of those top wingers they're going to cost McAvoy or DeBrusque, and that's really you want someone to play with Krejci and DeBrusque, and I don't think you don't want to give up McAvoy. I don't think Pittsburgh would be a McAvoy or DeBrusque. I, for Phil for Kessel, Kessel? that wouldn't make any sense. Well, what, what do you think they'd want? To be honest, they're going to want like, and I was I was talking about this with somebody. Um, they won't be remain named. That I can guarantee you, the first name that everybody's going to say, Tory Krug, the first guy that's going to go anywhere is 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 Grizz. If you if you look at it, and yeah. he's, he's got yeah. tons of value. You add Grizz with a guy like you could just pick out of the ones the Heinens, the Bjorks, the JF, like you know what I mean. That type of A-level prospect, Grizz and a pick can possibly get yeah. you this winner. Well, the problem is those is Kessel's cap hit too, though. I understand. Uh, oh yeah, eight mil. Uh, you you have to, especially right now. How much space do the Bruins have? Isn't it around like six or seven? Yeah, I'll pull it up. but not only that, next season it goes up five million too. Well, yeah, no. Well, Thank next you, season you might be able to afford it, but then again, you out, you're signing McAvoy and Carlo. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. there's a whole uh, lot. Heinen's another one, and I'm just saying that's that's the type of guy that's off fit. That's the type of player that should be looked at, not a player that's going to cost you a oh, McAvoy course. or DeBrusque. But I've said it before, I'll say it again. If Panarin wanted to come here, see you later, Jake DeBrusque. It was nice knowing you. I I wouldn't even think twice and pull the trigger. Panarin is a better hockey player than Jake DeBrusque now. And Jake DeBrusque will never be as good as Panarin. So you just make the deal. Um, Panarin's a game changer. But, you know, McAvoy needs to, I don't know. McAvoy's <laughs> driving me nuts this year. He needs to be better. I, I, I'm not, uh, I don't have the rose-colored glasses with this kid anymore. Yeah, He needs uh, to be better. I'm sorry. Uh, he, wasn't that, he wasn't superstar last year either. But everybody loves the name, and they, they drool over this kid. He's got to be better. He's not our best defenseman right now. Carlo is. I, I really, really, really hope that uh, McAvoy's development in the NHL in such a short uh, time span is not concluded to his injuries. Um, I hope that, you know, obviously— It scares we, me. Yeah, obviously we wish the best for him and the best in his career. I mean, he's a, he's a, a very, very decent prospect, but— we, I. For me, we need to see we need to see more from them. So, um. passion, talent, development. NCAA hockey offers all that, and its players graduate at a ninety percent rate. 
Nick Bukestad. Backhand scores! Wow, what a goal! David Backus. And Zach Parisi were stars on campus before the NHL stage. Whether you are a fan or a player, nothing compares to college hockey. Visit collegehockeyinc.com and follow at College Hockey. Champions of the college hockey world! I need to see what I thought I was... I, I need to see the same McAvoy we saw against Ottawa. Yeah. Remember when he came in in the playoffs? He was lights mm-hmm. out. He was the best defenseman on the ice besides Eric Carlson. Yeah, and that's and, saying a lot because you couldn't – Eric Carlson was – that playoffs was nuts. Yeah, but and, McAvoy and, was unreal, and he's just – I haven't seen it since. And for for a player like Eric Carlson, a veteran and, and, uh, and a peer, uh, to be – you know, to stop McAvoy in that handshake line when the Ottawa Senators beat the Bruins in that series and, and compliment him on his game was just – you know, hey, I'd and like I'm, to see that again, too. Yeah, and I'm not dumping on McAvoy because McAvoy playing not so good right now is still the second best defenseman on the Bruins and is still a, a top 20 defenseman in the league. But I, I, what we're seeing from Carlo this year makes you want to think, hey, maybe we're going to get that jump. You know, maybe that jump's going to come from McAvoy and we're going to be like, oh, my God, we got Drew Doughty here. Because yeah. McAvoy has all this potential, but it's and maybe it is the injuries. Maybe his head is not all there. Yeah, I think just his potential. Uh, I think he could work his way out of the slump that you're seeing right now. Um, I think you also need to see him play alongside Chara again to really fully evaluate what he's able to do. Question um, for you, Drew. Mm-hmm. Does he play with Chara when Chara comes back, or do they throw Carlo back there because he's playing That's so true. Well? Carlo and Chara played great uh, in the past together. Um, I think yeah, how much of a shutdown shut pair that is. But then who do you play McAvoy with? More? No. that's wants to be on that top. That yeah, second. No, you, you can't have him with Krug either because that's a disaster. So you, get, you play him with Grizz Chara. or Miller? No, you can't. You, you do. You put him back with Chara. It, it, yeah. It's better for his development. You're right. Because you can't it, throw him with Grizz. I mean, I'd love to see, I'd love to see Carlo and Char together, but it's like, do you then play him on the third pair? Like, well, you think, know, that's that's the only issue. Look at this. But then fantasy. where do you play Carlo? I guess you're playing Carlo on the third pair. No, I'd throw, you got, okay, so you, people need to understand, Grizz was originally going to be the extra defenseman at the beginning of the year. Oh, yeah, yeah. The rotation will be Grizz and Moore. Those will be your guys going in and out of the lineup, because I don't see them taking out Miller, because... Butch loves the guy, and he's so such a good shutdown guy. You got Carlo back with Krug, and maybe the way Carlo's playing will offset those deficiencies. Well, the lack of defense that Krug knows how to play. Like mm-hmm. I'll never say Krug's a, a great defender. Um, he's far no. from it. But maybe that's the secret because Carlo is playing so well defensively this year. It's crazy. He's playing like I can't believe I'm going to say he's playing like Chara does sometimes. Where you don't doesn't matter who's out there with Chara. He's just going to take care of everything. Moore has also been silently so good too defensively. I think not he's been extremely solid. Maybe <laughs> not the last couple of games, but throughout the season, throughout all the injuries, when like what well, I don't disagree. Yeah. Down at the same time, he was playing top line minutes. Like, but I can see him being rotated with Grizz. Oh, for but sure. and that depends him. on what style of defense you want that night. Whether you need the offensive uptick with Grizz or you need that uh, solid defense with Moore, depending on the offense you're going against. Yeah, because Moore and, and McAvoy was a recipe for disaster when they were together last game. Yeah, it was like honestly, the words I used were chickens with their heads cut off. 
But yeah, if they but, went in the corner yeah. that one time, Moore shouldn't Moore should have stayed in front of the net, yes. But McAvoy also was like acted like Grant had the cooties and he didn't want to touch him. And then Moore <laughs> went in after and Moore was like, No, 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 he does have the cooties. None of us touch him. I was like, What is going on here, guys? I think another reason you need McAvoy with Char is uh, how are they going to move the puck? Like seeing, I mean, Carlo's okay with the puck, but what he scored his first no, goal not. in yeah, no, no, no. hundred and sixteen games or something. Carlo's not good at moving the puck. <laughs> like, okay, all right. Yeah, I mean, okay. he's better than Char is moving the puck, but I think agreed, most agreed. Better than Char moving the puck. Um, but yeah, what are they going to? How are they going to get any offensive transition? I liked what they were doing last season, where it's. One offensively gifted defenseman with a complete stay-at-home defenseman on each so pair. There. there you go. So your top I, I two. I loved that. It was what was it? It was Krug and Carlo. It was Krug, Krug and Carlo, Carlo McAvoy and Char and Grizzly. Just that, yeah. that was great. And Miller, Miller was getting more offensive too last season. Uh, I feel like he really improved his game uh, speed-wise and uh, with the puck too. But yeah, I really liked that formula they had, and I think they got to stick with that. Well, you remember when everybody lost their mind when we, we lost Colin Miller? I guess people <laughs> forgot about that one, eh? Because yeah. <laughs> Kevin Miller's a better defenseman. And I could see, and just as you were alluding to, uh, Drew, about between Grizz and Moore, who they put in, I could see we're playing Tampa Bay, more plays. We're playing mm-hmm. the Toronto Maple Leafs, more plays. But we're playing the Carolina Hurricanes, Grizz plays. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. There you exactly. go. There's your, there's your pairing. Because as much as we all love Grizz... I just see him as the odd man out. I really do. You don't sign more to the deal you do if you think Grizz is going to be that next guy. Oh, yeah, exactly. Five years, what was it, 2.75? I'm yeah, not looking five, right yeah. now. And, if, and even if Grizz is still here, if the Seattle expansion comes, Grizz is no longer here. Like he's, They're going to take him. Right. Why wouldn't they? I could just see him being as used as a chip. Like, thank God they had all these extra defenses this year because the fact that Camper's playing, Jesus. Um, let's, uh, t- did anybody hear Brian Burke on, uh, was it hockey night in Canada? Yeah, it was last night. Yeah. And him he's men- on every night. He's every, he's on every Saturday now, but he, he mentioned that the league is getting soft and it's more yep. like flag football. Correct. Um, but like, everybody made fun of him. I thought it was absolutely anyway. ridiculous and, and, and it really started the, the fighting and, and, and tough guy or toughness in the game advocates to really gravitate their uh, topic, uh, especially to me, which was, I mean, it's, it's, good, it's good conversation, but it's just, I don't see how anybody's voices can change what the league is going to do and how they want to run the league. So... For me, complaining about how soft the game is is just useless conversation to me, and I don't have time for it. But it, you, hey, how many fights did Brian Burke get in his career? A lot. I bet. No, actually, believe it or not, the answer is zero in the NHL. Are you serious? Yeah, I zero he, in the NHL. He, oh, look at that stats right now. Didn't he like go after a Bruin? Oh, I think he went after a Bruin. No, that's Pat. Paquin. Oh, that's never Paquin. mind. Never mind. Totally did. That was Bobby Orr. They kind of look the same. Um, this is I, before I was a thought. So yeah, that's why exactly. One hundred percent. Burke was Burke was seventy three to seventy eight before even I was a thought. Drew. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, but like, I'm I'm a little confused with Brian Burke because he's he's advocating enforcer. I think we can all agree we advocate toughness, no problem. What Brandon Carlo and they all did against the Toronto Maple Leafs, phenomenal. I'll watch that game all day. But enforcer. 
No. No. We don't. There's no need for a limited, limited minute role player that's going to sit on the bench and get a couple minutes only when you want to use them when somebody takes a clean hit and everybody freaking overreacts. That's the worst part about this whole thing. Is is these guys like Krejci is taking a clean hit and then. The internet is it's pandemonium. We need Ryan Reeves. We need a Tom Wilson. We need this guy and that guy. No, you don't. What you got to do is stop reacting as if it's a clean hit. <laughs> Seriously, it was a clean hit. He had his head down. Sean Thornton is the last enforcer the Boston Bruins will ever have. Exactly. And hey, question like, quote unquote full time role enforcer. You just hey. need you need your bottom two lines and your bottom defensive pair to step up and fight if that is required. Drew, question for you: Was Mark Savard and Nathan Horton hurt when Thornton was on the team? I, I just can't remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, he was, wasn't he? Oh, yeah. that's and weird. I, I also, I also believe that going after Matt Cook in the next meeting with Pittsburgh. Yeah, did, exactly. But did, nothing did, happened that game. Nothing no, because he happened. Wasn't on the ice. No, but it doesn't you matter. Could, Lucic you was. See him on the bench, like just itching to go after him. And, yeah, but it didn't deter. Everybody's saying that these guys deter those hits, not just going after that. The the what this the enforcer people are saying that having a guy on that team stops that hit even from happening, Drew. Yeah, I don't I don't know about that. I think it's impossible. Yeah, you, it's just I think all you need is someone who's going to stand up for it, though. Correct. That's all you need, you need and Kevin Miller could do that. Anyone on, you need, you just need those bottom two lines, and you need your bottom pair defenseman to step up when it's required. And I agree that you don't do it when there's like a clean open ice hit. If it is clean, you do it when someone throws uh, a guy into the boards with his number, uh, you know, hitting the numbers uh, or a headshot or something. That's when you drop the gloves. Um, I think the big uproar about the the league becoming soft is just because they're getting rid of fighting, which is, uh, you know, something I don't agree with them slowly ushering out and dissuading. But, uh, you know, that's the route going. And, you know, so on the surface, maybe it does seem like it's getting softer, softer, but I don't really see that. I think it's uh, it's 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 as physical as it's been in the in recent years, and uh, I don't really see the hitting you know changing necessarily because of that. Uh, you know, I hope they get rid of the headshots somehow. You're never going to get rid of them completely. Uh, I hope they learn how to dissuade those a bit more, <clears throat> harsher suspensions. Uh, yeah, but you know, um, yeah, I think arguing that it's getting softer uh, is is just bogus. It's just the and- fighting that ushered out and i asked my dad about this today i was talking to him and i said to him i was like well what's the difference he's like well you know what it's harder to hit now because the guys are faster he's like we hit a lot because we're a little bit slower out there mm-hmm. he's like yeah. you know we we had these guys now when they take a hit or give a hit the reason why they're getting hurt so much is because they're wearing body armor yeah they yeah know, exactly their, the stuff they, that protects you is, a, is is your worst enemy basically exactly like you're getting hit and also as my dad said these guys are skating faster Mm-hmm. so much faster so when they hit it's gonna hit it's gonna hurt more so the problem is these guys are being taught um not to hit as much because when you take a big hit or you do a big hit it takes you out of the play as yeah. much as i used to do it as a player and i love watching it it takes every the person that gave that hit is taken out of the play now so he's out he's out of the rush there's he's he's doing nothing except that he took that other guy out you can hear it when you're at and drew i know you're your seats are pretty darn decent. Next time, no, I, don't, I don't go to every game, but yeah. no, you go to a lot. Uh, I catch a, I catch a few. 
Here and there, yeah. I said Here it was coming in March, and you were like, oh, I'm going to this game, this game, and this game. Um, <laughs> when you hear from the ice, you don't hear good check. You hear good stick. Yeah. Coach is yelling it from the bench. Good stick, good stick. Because that's all the guys are doing nowadays because they're trying to slow them up because you can't hit them half the time. And I also, when you're talking about the, uh, you know, the pads being armor, uh, I'll just always respect Sean Thornton for wearing those old school pads. Uh, there's some video out there. Uh, where he talks about it because, you know, it's supposed to hit. I mean, it's supposed to hurt when you're hitting a guy. Mm-hmm. Not the guy getting hit. I mean, it's going to hurt him too. But it's going to hurt you if you're hitting a guy. That's how it's supposed to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's something that dissuades you from always throwing a hit too. Um, I'll just always respect him for doing that and being aware of that. You know, as an enforcer, I, I never really saw him uh, being a dirty player. Um, Correct, but yeah, that the the fact that these pads are basically armor now and are more used in an aggressive fashion than just for defending yourself is uh, is definitely a huge problem. Uh, and I could go on for hours about the headshots <laughs> needing harsher suspensions, uh, but I won't. I've written a couple articles about that, but and I 100% agree with you, Drew. It's yeah. it's, it's getting to a joke, and it's here. Here's the whole thing: you you want enforcers back in the game. Take away the instigator penalty. Oh my God! Yes, that yeah. is. So, you take away that instigator penalty. Point. I honestly think. Well, because I, I, once again, my my dad played eleven years in the seventies, and I asked him. He's like, players got hurt, but the thing is, fans are hearing about it now. When they got hurt back then, they just yeah. missed a couple shifts, and they didn't. If they didn't get back on the ice, they lose their job. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's unfortunate. So they went back out on the ice. You know, my dad called it getting his bell rung. You took the big hit, but you got back out. And if you didn't get back out, that was it. He said there was there was a couple guys on his team when he was playing on that Bruins team. They would they took some big hits, and for like five games straight, they'd be throwing up in between shifts. Oh, Jesus. Uh, speaking right. of speaking of unfortunate luck lately, how about David Backus? Uh, this guy seems to this year. I mean, I know he's not blown it away, and I know he's the, he's he's always gravitated to his contract and blah blah blah. But it is what it is. Unfortunately, I believe. This Bruins team is stuck with him because he doesn't really have the value on the trade market. But his value as a veteran in the locker room and to these younger players that are going to be inserted into the lineup, I think it's going to be important. And and I I know I want to see points out of him and so on, but it's just that is what it is. I mean, obviously, the contract was kind of a mistake in my opinion, but you need to move forward. But this guy... Well, you don't have out, to use the word kind of. Yeah, I know. Okay. I know. Um but this guy just seems to go out there and try his very best uh, on, under some very extreme circumstances, whether it be surgeries, injuries, or whatever. The latest one takes a skate to the face. Skate to the face. It's like, I mean, oh. He's so lucky on that. I know, Jeez. but I, yeah. I look at that, I look at that, and I'm just like, for, at first, I'm just like, you know, hopefully he's okay, first and foremost. But the second thought was, damn, this guy just so unlucky. But thoughts. Drew, I'll let you take this one first. Yeah, I, I agree. Backes is always tied to that contract. I have tied him to that contract, uh, I'll admit. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I've liked his play. Obviously, the execution isn't there, which has been probably the biggest problem for Boston's depth because they've been able to produce chances, but a lot of those guys on the bottom, bottom three lines and just haven't been able to execute. Um I think that's definitely been Dabrowski and Heinen's problem uh, throughout the first uh, stretch of the season. Um, and it, obviously it's been back as is too. 
I think uh, I definitely think he's basically untradeable um, unless you look at at it in the last year of his contract at the deadline to a team who is trying to make a playoff push and has a couple guys injured, and that's like uh, how likely is that? That makes that brings one customer to the table. Um, so yeah, I don't I don't see his value getting much higher than it is right now. Um, and yeah, I think he's been playing good, and it's just been a little bit of bad luck and a little bit of uh, lack of execution. Plus, I mean, how many line mates has he had this season alone? He's oh. bouncing around that lineup like crazy. Um, and you know, I think uh, I think one of his best attributes is bringing that veteran presence. Um, I believe when he's when Bergeron and Shar are out there, he shares the A with Krejci, right? Yeah, from from home my games and away games. From my understanding, if there's an interview I caught and I was telling Mark about it, when Butch was talking about the leadership core on this team, he mentions Bacchus every time. Yeah. And when I met the guys um, a couple weeks ago in Toronto, sorry, Toronto. Um, Toronto? Well, I'm from here. Um, <laughs> a, uh, Bacchus was with the boys, if you know what I mean. Like, he wasn't off by himself. You could see... Because I was there in the hotel lobby for a bit, uh, having a couple of drinks, and I watched the guys leave for a bit. I watched them come back, and you could see who hung out with who. And it mm-hmm. seemed they, a lot of the younger guys gravitated towards Bacchus. And it seems that you know when they were sitting in the lobby having conversations, the people leading the conversations, the 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 one time my wife walked up was Marshan and Bacchus. The rest were pretty much little puppy dogs. And then mm-hmm. you got the, then the, the the class clown who I say is Pasta, just from my interaction <laughs> watching, but. I don't think you can buy that leadership. I don't think we should be paying $5 million a year for it. But at the same, you know, he struck out, but it's not the biggest strikeout. It's not a Bolesky strikeout. It's people can get mad. There's not much we can do about it. As Mark was saying, and as you said, Drew, you're not trading that contract. So let's, let's work with it because he, he didn't look terrible on the power play. And if he's your third or your fourth liner in the playoffs, you're laughing because that is so valuable to have him as one of your third or fourth liners in the playoffs. And I think that leadership and mentorship is just something, like you said, you can't really put a price on. There's no stat for that. There's no analytics on that. Um, That's just something as a viewer, media member, anybody, uh, unless you're in that locker room, you don't know uh, necessarily how valuable that is. Um, I mean, we know it's valuable, but you, you just don't, you can't, see how that interaction really is unless like unless you're court alone in a hotel lobby um well, it, Toronto. It's, no 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 i'm well, serious like, you know you're what I mean? able like, to when, see that like when you see these guys when you see even if you went out to a bar and, and we met for the first time and i was sitting there with a group of friends and you could probably tell oh, from a couple sure. minutes yeah you can tell no, i weird. wasn't diminishing your take no, i'm know, just I know, saying I know. none of us really get that insight mm-hmm. uh or get to see them in person unless they're wearing skates and a helmet and shoulder pads and they're on the ice um, you know, it's, uh, that's just something you can't put a price on that is valuable. Obviously that's not, you know, six, $5 million in value. Um, that is not something a team will necessarily trade for, but it, it's a great recipe with all these young forwards right now. And back as being there as somewhat of a mentor. Now, let me ask you this, Drew, do you see him as a bio candidate next year mm, or the following think, year? Uh, it's a tough one, eh? It's tough because then you're eating up the cap for nothing. Obviously, uh, a little bit less cap hit, but uh, I think. Hold on, let me look I it up. It's less. 
Like I, I think this oh, year would have killed them if they did it, but next year's yeah. not as bad. I think I think the uh, the decision comes on what contract talks are like with McAvoy and Carlo, especially. Uh, I, I think those are your two heavy hitters um, in terms of signings this offseason. Who is the other one? I know it's Heinen. Heinen, Carlo. Here, I'm pulling it up. It's Heinen, Carlo, Carlo McAvoy. McAvoy. Well, uh, give me a sec. It's loading. It's definitely Heinen, Carlo, McAvoy. Not JFK, maybe? Donato, I'm pretty yeah, sure. Yeah, no, JFK and Donato. Oh. Okay. So yeah, I think so. Out of those, your two, the two defensemen are the heavy hitters. So I think you need to see what's going on with them. Obviously, if McAvoy's kind of having another off year, then oh, don't forget Steve Camper. <laughs> hey, but in good news, people, Yurho Vakaninen will not be have to be protected for the expansion draft. Woo-hoo. Nice. Hopefully, he comes Seriously, back that's from the concussion first. I think he'll be fine. <laughs> um. Real quick, how about this one? I, I'm not sure if Jamel Smith was uh, in the Pittsburgh uh, in the lineup uh, during the Pittsburgh game, but uh, should we play him more since he's uh, a bit of a little luck charm? We know Drew would say so. Yeah, I've been tweeting that. Yes, yeah, <laughs> that's why I brought it up, buddy. <laughs> I you notice I didn't tweet after the last. So hold on. So I don't even know. Was he in the lineup? I was like kind of half sure. watching that game. I've, so if they buy finals, out, but... if they buy out Bacchus next year. His cap hit is only three mil. It's only it's um, his initial cap is six, and then it turns to three in the last season. So that would only be hitting the cap for two years, right? Yeah, and but he'd only they'd only be in hit and hit for three million bucks, three point three point six. Smith was not in the lineup. Over the two. So what will happen is if they buy him out next, if they bought him out next year, so next year's cap it would be five point six. The final year would only be three point six. Oh, okay, okay. Math. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not that bad though, you know what I mean? Jamel Smith was not in the lineup against Pittsburgh on Friday night. Where they're undefeated with him. Yes. <laughs> and, and Drew's hot take still goes. And the still they're undefeated won. and he's a minus three, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> and the Leafs haven't won a game since Nylander's been back. Uh is it Here's a question that uh, is I'm starting to get more involved with because it, it's just that time because some of these younger players have, have I, I don't know if they reach their full capabilities in professional hockey just yet but with trades you know rumors all floating around and what we just talked about when you're looking at capfriendly.com and and who needs to be signed and who you know the priorities of moving forward as a as an organization what prospects are you guys willing to? I'm, I'm not sure if we already covered this. Like we might have, but well, well, we kind of. Drew and I were alluding to guys like if you package with Grizzed for a deal, right? So I mean, pretty much like who who would be expendable at this time that you don't see a future in Boston? And it's not because of the play, the person, or and it's not that you don't see a future. Just saying, are they expendable? Right, exactly. You know, so yeah. I'm pretty much just throwing it out there to you guys because I mean, for me, I mean, if you really want to get that player that you think can make an impact and win today and and sign for tomorrow, I, I think a players like Anders Bjork and and Ryan Donato, Grizz, Court brought up. You know, I mean, some of these players do have to go because it's not all going to work out that we can keep them all. Uh, on a 23-man roster and, and you know, 
in a 50 man cap. So I'm okay with Donato, Heinen, Grizz. There's my three guys that if they get packaged in a deal, I still want to see more from Bjorn. It's just, Jesus, that, that couple games last year when he played on that top line, he looked so darn good. And it's just, I wish I could see it again. But if Donato brings you that guy in a package to get that second line winger, you pull that trigger. You don't even think twice. You, my, my, old, my rule always is going to be this. If it makes your hockey club better, you do the deal. Worry about the fan base later. There you go. Solid advice. I think uh, not necessarily all in the same deal, but just guys who are uh, those young guys who are expendable. Uh, I'd, I'd throw Bjork in there, but uh, that's just me. No, um, no, I he probably. I'd like to. I'd like to see what Donato can do. So I'm I'm hesitant to throw him in there, but in the right deal, I think you definitely uh, you move him. Uh, Heinen. Uh, I'd even consider Cave and JFK. I know uh, people are liking them in their centers, and they're valuable. Uh, Bruins don't have. Uh, other, they're basically the two center prospects right now uh, that are really, you know, pushing for spots. Obviously, they're playing, but uh, you know, you got some old centers like Bergie. Not necessarily old, but you know, they're not they're not in their twenties anymore. Uh, you got Bergeron and Krejci. Uh, you, you throw Backas in there. Uh, and remember, you know, we're getting a, transitioning out. They're probably going to get a right winger at the end of the year. Yeah, he's gonna yeah. The, he's going to play in the World Juniors this year, and he's looking like the best player in the uh, Canadian Hockey League. Who is it? Jack Stechniga. Oh, he's the center. No, he's playing. So that's oh, he's on the wing. About. He's been playing wing, and they, Bob McKenzie's been talking about it. And it, he, it's they've been talking about him a lot lately on all on the radio here in Canada, on TV here in Canada. He's it's been huge, and they're saying Bob McKenzie said, "Don't be surprised if he's on the Bruins roster by the end of the year as a right winger. Don't be surprised." Ooh. Well, he. Once, oh, yeah, once. Yeah, <laughs> once, he can once play. His, oh, look at you. Look yeah. at Drew and Mark are like, okay, who's getting the article? Who's getting the article? Yeah, yeah. Well, well once he's available, I mean, after his commitment to Oshawa. Yeah, that, at the end of this year. Yeah. He could be playing on the Boston Bruins. Jesus. I wouldn't see him playing in the playoffs. I could see him playing for 100% playing for Providence. Yeah, well, yeah, he'll be eligible for that. He'll, but I could see Boston giving him a, giving him a, a serious look. Good. I mean, the kids deserve it. I, I mean, just, he's so close this year in camp to make Bob it. Bob McKenzie's saying he's the best player on Team Canada right now. Oh. Oh. That that sounds so good. <laughs> like, I, 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 I've I I've seen him play twice this year, and I'm like, damn, he looks good. Yeah, he does. I, I've watched a handful of his games. He's um, really good. I'm, I'm not saying that's going to translate into the NHL. It's, please don't put those words in my mouth, but... It, if there's only knock on Studnika that I can see from the games that I watch and, and, and following his stats closely is it just his work in the face-off circle. I just think he needs to Which, be a little stronger. But any, everything else offensively, his, his 200-foot game, IQ, his vision, his passing, the quarterback in a power play, it's all there. Those attributes are, are solid. Like they were, Bob McKenzie was saying, like you could have him play wing for a couple years and get him into that centerman position. Just like the Bruins did with Sagan, they just never he played center with Dallas instead. Yep. Strong possibility. What do you think, Drew? Um I think, you know, players like him and there's a bunch that are still in those junior leagues, uh, and also some in the NCAA, but especially in those junior leagues that are looking really skilled and uh, are gonna you know, are basically shoe ins for the lineup at some point the way they're playing right now, obviously development. 
uh, is a lot different once you get to the NHL uh, and even the AHL for that matter. But uh, I think uh, I think that's why you need to be willing to let go of a few guys that are currently on the roster, like the Heinens or the Bjork or Donato or whoever, just because uh, if you want a cup in the Bergie Krejci era, especially if you want one well, with Chara, um, you need yeah. to be willing to give those guys up and uh, upgrade, you know, you move ahead five years for a player. Um, and, you know, there's always the, the Bruins prospect pool is so deep, even without guys like Bjork and Donato and Heinen, uh, those players are potentially more of the future of the team. It doesn't necessarily need to be the players right now. Obviously those are the ones we're seeing, uh, and evaluating and, you know, trying to place in the future of the team. Uh, but there's so many down there that, you know, uh, I, I don't see these players in the AHL too much. I don't see them uh, in the Canadian junior leagues as much. I, I'm, I'm the NCAA guy here. So, yeah. uh, you know, the, those guys are potentially, uh, you know, in your lineup in the future. Those guys are potentially, hey, maybe first liners, second liners, uh, after the Bergeron Krejci era is through, um, so I think you need to be willing to part with guys who are on your third line right now um, in order to upgrade your second line. Uh, if you're trying to put uh, this team is built right now, they have the pieces where you can push for a cup right now with Bergeron and Krejci there. Um, I, I don't think you can like just sit on what you got right now. I think you need to upgrade by moving one of those young wingers. Um, and, and that's not going to tear apart your team. You have so many prospects that you're going to be fine in the future once those ber- uh, guys like Bergeron and Krejci are gone. Hey, uh, real quick before we uh, end, I was talking to a buddy of mine at the at the the club that I belong to on Friday night, um, and we were discussing Tory Krug. And I know I probably mentioned this before, but w- would it be out of the realm of possibilities that? Like Krug be moved to a forward position? No. <laughs> All right. I see being moved at the draft. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tory Krug is getting <laughs> the traded. only movement you see is uh, he gets he gets traded at this draft, this upcoming but, draft. I could, but more see or less, more or less, uh, more or less, uh, I, I, yeah, I, I don't I, want him to either. Group. More or less, our idea was to carry a seventh defenseman in the lineup in case anything happens. I just wouldn't want Krug getting hurt. Yeah, I know, I know, but I, I I love his offensive ability and how small he is to to move through the neutral zone. I could just, I don't know, I, I and he, he gets down low really good too. Yeah, I, I I'll say this: I that would be so entertaining to watch, but I do not see it happening. Yeah. Um, I think yeah, I'd see Nordstrom becoming a defenseman before that, just because of what Nordstrom's done all year, uh, which I don't agree they should do either. Sportsman's <laughs> uh, played on every single line and has done everything he can as a forward. Why? Why not? If if you lose some more defensemen, the, you know you see Nordstrom there. Um, but right. uh, yeah, no, I don't see that. That would be really, really entertaining to watch, though, because he he has great offensive skill. Um, you know that would be funny to watch. Well, for the entertainment value, I appreciate uh, your uh, your opinion, Drew. <laughs> also, Drew, I want to thank you for coming along. I know you're really busy uh, with school going on. You got your writings going on. You got the podcast. Nerd. So uh, we we really do appreciate your time today, uh, and hopefully we get the chance to talk in, 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 in soon. Uh, Court, always yeah. a pleasure to have you back uh, every week. Uh, as the slacker Rob is 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 traveling <laughs> the world, and again he won't be he'll be gone for a couple of weeks, so we'll be looking for some some more guests um 
So, yeah, I think that's going to end it for the week. Uh, please go to Apple iTunes slash Apple Podcasts and give us a rating. Whether you like us or not, just give us five stars and then talk badly about us. But yeah, um, so we're okay with it. <laughs> uh, and, uh, holidays are still around, right around the corner. We could use the financial help uh, by you know decreasing some of the operating costs. Uh, if you go to the um, blackandgoldhockey.com website, click on the Fanatics banner and do all your sports shopping for all your diehard football, baseball, hockey, NASCAR, NCAA needs, uh, we would certainly appreciate it. You, you make the purchase uh, and we get the commission at no extra charge. So we would appreciate any help that way. Uh, thanks again, everybody, for listening. Uh, no prospect talk this week. Uh, Drew's a huge slacker. There's no NCAA. Oh, wow. No, yeah, I'm just it's kidding. my fault. I'm just They're kidding. They're all studying for finals like I am. Yeah, not, only, not only that, but, you know. Drew, how many video games you played this week? Oh, a lot. <laughs> yeah, uh, there see, you go. You see, what I did is I played a little too much yesterday, and so now i got to <laughs> do all my work. But, you know, I think that's, that's that about sums up everybody in my generation. And the game's of... on at 5 o'clock, so have fun. Yeah, that. see, that's rough. It is. <laughs> All right, uh, yeah, we'll just end it right there. Thank you very much, everybody, (laughs) and we will talk next week. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to this week's show. You can follow the guys on Twitter at blackandgold277, at courtlalonde, and at rob40bruins. You can also send us an email to the show's account at blackandgoldhockeyblog at gmail.com.